Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode 103. We'd like to share our Sunday worship service for February 3rd, 2019. The title is It's Like Rice, and it is the fifth in our series, It's Like This. Every moment is a trust exercise. When we choose faith consciously, we find what we've been looking for. So our scripture today is Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now you've heard that before. It's kind of the greatest hits collection of uh, Bible passages. People know that one. It comes up a lot. But it's funny to me because it says so much about what faith is. It's an assurance. It's a conviction. Faith is a thing that you know. That's what's being said there. Faith is a thing you know, or you could also see it as a thing you see. It's a perceiving power of mind and heart. You've already got it, is the point. The Bible says you've already got faith. Your life says you've already got faith. If you think about it, everything that has happened to you, big or small, is a faith moment. You already know things. Faith is the power of knowing. So what do you know? That's where it starts. And that's important because it is completely a million miles away from the idea that faith is some kind of a commodity that you go and get. People say, i got to go get me more faith. How do I get faith? Where do I go to get faith? How much does faith cost? What's the faith market? Is it a bear market, bull market? How does faith work? Where do I go get some? So many times. And I talk about it a lot because it comes up a lot. So many times people come to me and say, how can I get me some more faith? But that little piece of scripture indicates something that you already know in your heart to be true. And that is, you don't get it, you've got it. You already know things. Start with what you know. If you give yourself to the little things that you know, and maybe it's just a small thing. I know I'm alive. I know uh, what love feels like. I know that that was a mistake, that thing I did. I know, what do you know? Start there. Here's one of the things I want you to think about today. If you start with what you have instead of with what you don't have, you're going to grow. If you start with what you have instead of what you don't have, if you start with presence instead of with absence, you are going to grow in healthy ways. Sometimes people think that faith is a commodity, but you already have the power to see. You already know stuff. Other people say that faith is the same thing as your ability to fool yourself. You've heard that one before. Well, I just didn't know. I guess I'm just going to have faith. Unfortunately, it doesn't really work that way. I know that that there are places you can go where people say, listen, I know none of this makes sense, and it's against how you feel in your heart, but go ahead and just take my word for it. And then you come back the next Sunday, and you go, you know, my life isn't any better. And they go, well, you've got to fool yourself even better. Keep fooling yourself. Keep deluding yourself. And if you can fool yourself enough... Your life is about how deluded you can be. If you can fool yourself enough, then it'll work out. I promise. Next week, come back. I promise. And then you come back next week and nothing works. How come? Oh, you're not fooling yourself enough. And it's a wonderful cycle if you want to control people. Because if I teach people to get good at fooling themselves, I'm also teaching them that I can fool them. And that's great if you want to get people coming back every Sunday. Not so great if you want to change the world. It's great if you want to create victims. Not so great if you want to create heroes. Faith is not about your ability to believe in something that you know isn't true. And you know this because there are so many times when people say, you know, if I just read these affirmations over and over again, even though I don't feel them, 
You know, I'm a prosperous child of God, but I feel poor. I'm a loved child of God, but I feel alone. You know how you feel. And faith does not speak English. Spirit does not speak English. It's a matter of the heart, right? And so if you're speaking from a place of, oh, this makes me feel yucky, and this makes me uh, remember the absence, the space in my life, you are going to create a bigger hole rather than filling the hole that you already have. Don't pray from a place of absence. If I don't, if I don't feel that, that big miracle... I I know that big miracles are possible. I read about them in the Bible or in Sunday school. I saw the movies. I've seen it on the news where amazing things happen. Even on Facebook, every once in a while, something positive happens. I've seen it. But I don't feel it for me. It's okay. There's something going on right now in your heart. Something you know. Again, that's right. Start, that's right. Start with what you know. Even if it's a small thing, if you approach your life with an open heart and an open mind, it will grow you instead of chasing something that you know ain't true. Start with what you know. But you know that anytime there's one of those TV shows where they, they drop somebody off in the wilderness, you know, like Survivor Man or one of those shows, anytime they, they talk about a survival scenario, one of the things you're supposed to do if you get lost on the hike or the plane crashes, or you know, whatever the Robinson Crusoe situation is. If you get lost in the wilderness, one of the things that they always tell you to do is take a moment and take inventory. Think about what you have going for you. Okay, well, let's see. I've got a Swiss Army knife and a compass and a flashlight. I'm going to be okay. You know, you start by taking the inventory of what you have. And the people who do tend to be okay. And the people who don't do that, the people who start with what they don't have, I don't know where I am, and I'm hungry, and I'm lost, and I'm afraid. Those people tend to be what they call in the business bear food. If you start with what you don't have, you're not going to get where you want to go. Your life can be thought of as a survival situation. You're surviving. And it can be a beautiful walk through the woods if you start with what you have. Here's what I'm trying to say. One way or the other, presence or absence, you are a creature of faith. More real than anything you see with your sensory organs, anything that you feel with your senses, more real is how you believe. And you know that because you and somebody else can see the same and come up with different conclusions in a different life. Your eyes are a secondary organ. Your ears are secondary organs to what your heart does with the information. We walk by faith and not by sight. So one way or another, easy way or hard way, like it or not, you are a creature of faith. The choice you have is, do I have my faith in something that makes me better or something that brings me down? That's the choice that you have. Do I have my faith in something that's real or something that's silly? (laughs) That's the choice. It reminds me of a story. And it is a true story, I am assured, but I'm going to leave some of the the details out because I want us to focus on the meaning rather than on the exact places. So I'm going to speak in generalities. But it's a story of, of a people who lived on a small island on the other side of the world, far in the east, and a long time ago. And those people lived on mostly rice. That was the big crop of this little island. And it's a good crop. You can get a lot of what you need as far as nutrients and all that. It's an efficient crop and all of that. But when you've got a relatively large number of people in a relatively small space, you've got to be very careful. 
about how you grow the stuff, you eat the stuff, how you pay attention to these kinds of things. You have to be careful, kind of like life. But the good news is that every single moment of the planting process and the harvesting process of the rice and even how you ate it and all of this was part of their religious tradition, part of their spiritual practice. And because it became a spiritual thing, everybody knew the rules. Because it became a spiritual thing, everybody took it very seriously. Because it was a spiritual thing, everything tended to work. Sidebar, if you treat your life as a spiritual practice... If you are deliberate about your faith moment, everything will work. So anyway, back to it, the, the people that were doing okay. You can imagine what happens next because versions of this kind of story happen a lot. Pretty soon, someone from somewhere else, someone from let's say somewhere west shows up. And the people from a different land, the visitors, had two very important spiritual ideas of their own. Number one, you natives, whatever you're doing is very non-Western, and so therefore it can't be good. And number two, we've really got to maximize profits around here. These are both religious ideas, trust me. And they had a point. Certainly, there's learning and science and technology that can be applied. And so the natives said, okay, well, you guys got cool boats and stuff, so let's try it. And so they did. And for a short time, applying a different set of understandings, applying a little bit of technology, applying new understandings worked. And all of a sudden, there was enough rice for the natives, for the visitors, and even enough to sell to other people and bring in some money and new things and toys and all kinds of stuff. It worked for a little while. Sidebar, anything you try that's new, if you try it with attention and intention, will work for a little while. But sooner or later, whatever you do with your faith will bump you up against the limitations of the thing you put your faith in. And you know that because you've seen it happen in your own life. You can imagine what happened in the story. Something happens in a small environment with a lot of people relying on a singular crop. If you start messing around with the food web, with the growing cycles, with how you deal with, uh, with pests and all of that kind of stuff, pretty soon, hmm... Something happens in life when you stop listening and you start demanding. Well, you can imagine what happened. Pretty soon, oh, crop's not doing so well. Pretty soon, uh-oh, we had some saved up. It's gone. Pretty soon, uh-oh, to use the scientific terminology. When things don't go so well, one of the good things that happens is that people tend to return to their faith. Sometimes it's because they don't have anything else left. I don't know about you, but I have been in situations where I just, I'm out of options. I got to just go back. Okay, God, I got it. I'm going to get out of the way now. Thank God for those moments. I got to tell you, I am grateful for those moments in my life. One way or the other, easy way or hard way, we learn. So I'm grateful for learning the hard way because it's still learning. But when things get bad, sometimes people go back to their faith. And so the natives, they went back to their way of doing things. They said, look, we tried it your way. didn't work so good. So we're going to try it this way that does work. And the Westerners, they went back to their faith too. They said, wait a minute. We got to get more science stuff. We got to get more uh, advanced techniques. We got to get more tools and tricks and all of that stuff. We got to get more of that. And the natives said, you know what? We're good. The Westerners said, yeah, but... Basing something as important as how you live on something as silly as how you feel, that can never work. You can't live by faith like that. And then one of the natives said, you guys live by faith too. You just don't know it. 
Your whole life is based on faith in these little pieces of paper flying around in between each other. Your whole sense of happiness and unhappiness is based on these little pieces of paper changing hands, which is weird because the paper isn't happy or unhappy. It's just paper. Who's living by faith? And whose faith is weird? What if we stop thinking about that and we just try to get along with each other? Wouldn't that be something? Ah, that can never work. But the natives were strong and they decided to say goodbye to the visitors. And everybody ate. The reason that I tell that story is because I want you to think with me about the idea that no matter where you're from, east or west, whether you're a visitor or a native, everything you do is a faith moment. Whether you believe in something abstract or you believe in something concrete, everything you do is fueled by what you believe. You can't help it. You're born with it. You can't not believe in things. If you spend a moment with a little child, what they have instinctively is the ability to trust the ability to imagine, the ability to dream, and the ability to move forward confidently in the direction of that dream. You're born with it. You can't help it. The choice that you have is, what am I going to do with it? Am I going to just have instinctive what they call blind faith? Or to my faith, am I going to add understanding? Decide to use your faith to believe in something that makes sense. So we started with, what do you know? And let's add, what works? What do you know? And what works in your life? And yeah, I know there are people who, who come with, I have this huge hunk of things that just don't work. There's something that works because you're here and you're breathing. Start with that. What do you know and what works? And if you move forward in peace, on purpose, with an open mind and heart in the direction of what works, in the direction of your heart, you will get where you need to go. Like I said, every moment is a faith moment. Use your faith. To grow. Use your faith to grow. It's easy to go the other way. It's easy to say, well, you know, it's only a fool that listens to their heart because I need data. You ever been that kind of person that says, you know what, I've got this dream that I'm going to follow, I'm going to do this, but I've got to wait until the right time, I've got to wait until the market is just right, I've got to wait until I have the right amount of money, I've got to wait until I get the approval of everybody, I've got to get all the data. Has you, have you ever had a moment where you actually had all the data? Ever. Has it ever worked that way? There are people who think they're being smart when what they're really being is afraid. Hmm. Turns out you can't get all the data. In 1931, here we go, a mathematician named Kurt Gödel. It's a great name to say, Gödel. I like that. Kurt Gödel came up with the incompleteness theorem. And there's a lot to it. You can Google that later. You can Google your Gödel later. <laughs> Sounds weird. But don't do it right now. But to oversimplify the idea, he's a mathematician. He basically said that within a system of numbers, you can't understand everything about the numbers without reaching out to a bigger system of numbers. In other words, you can't understand. What's the first one? Natural. You can't understand natural numbers without reaching out into the bigger number system of integers. And you can't understand integers without getting to the bigger system of rational numbers. And you can't understand rational numbers without going to real numbers. And on and on and on and on. I know it's a lot. But the point is, you can't understand anything in the physical world without reaching out to something that's bigger than that. I'll put that a different way. I can't talk to you about green 
unless I talk to you about what color is. And I can't talk about what color is unless I talk about what light is. And I can't talk about what light is until we start talking about, I don't know, photons and how your eyeballs work and how the whole thing. And all of a sudden, we're in this giant, infinite place. In the material world, you can't talk about any one thing without talking about something bigger and something bigger and something bigger and something bigger. And it goes on into infinity. If you trust data instead of trusting your heart, you are going to have to deal with the fact that you're never going to know what you need to know. That's the point. There are so many people that think, you know, if I do the 23andMe thing, I'm going to know, I'm going to know who I am. That's kind of what the commercial is trying to tell you. Right? Have you ever seen the 23andMe commercial? I don't know, you spit on a thing or whatever and you send it away and I don't know what they do with it. Maybe they just pick a card. I don't know if it actually... Oh, no, 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 you're an Indian. <laughs> I don't know what they do. Maybe there's people who know what they're doing doing it. doesn't matter because the thing is, no matter how it comes back and you've got, you know, 33% Chinese blood and you've got, you know, 23%, you know, Spanish blood and you've got some blood you keep in a jar in your garage. I don't know what they say. Too much Dexter. But um, <laughs> the thing is, that's fun if you want to do that. I'm not saying it's a dumb thing to do, but it can't tell you who you are because if I did that... My first question would be, yeah, okay, but were they jerks? Are they nice people? And in fact, who cares if they're jerks or nice people? Who am I? Inevitably, when you do something in the material world, you end up having to go back and back and back, and inevitably, you leave out the one thing that's really important. Inevitably. So maybe trusting the data is not so important. There is no equation for how I felt when the doctor put a little baby in my arms. You know, the things that are important don't work that way. So ask yourself, if I tell you that no matter what you do, you are living by faith, ask yourself, are the things that I believe in making me feel spread out like butter over too much bread? Or do they make me feel solid and certain and something? Because if your faith takes you outward... Instead of grounding you inward, maybe it's time to believe in something that makes a little bit more sense. Let me put that another way. You can learn how to surf without owning the whole ocean. What if life is about a ride? You ever heard of Occam's razor, the Gillette thing? There's like five blades. No. Yeah. <laughs> Making sure everybody's listening. You've heard that one before. You saw that movie, Jodie Foster, Matthew McConaughey, Tom Skerritt, Con Contact. It's a great movie. They talk about Occam's razor. The basic idea is if you've got two choices, the one that is simpler is probably the right one. And I actually, I love that, which is weird because Occam's razor has been used to beat up religious people from the, the dawn of the idea of it. But think about it. Jesus was an Occam's razor kind of guy because people would come to him and go, no, 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 you've got to follow all these rules. It's a certain day of the week. You've got to wait till the sun's in the right position. Have you even consulted the placemat zodiac at the Chinese restaurant? Do you know about all these things? Wait, we can't have healing unless you smudge the whole room. And Jesus inevitably would say, you know, you're just supposed to love each other, right? It's not gadgets and gizmos. Nothing is ever made better by adding complexity. Life is not that complicated. What if we just love each other over and over again? Because love is a divine quality. Love is of God. Something you buy in a store is of a store. 
you already have access to the divine qualities of faith and love and honor and truth and beauty where you are already. What if we cut through some of the stuff that just isn't true or just doesn't make sense? What if we just love each other? So to put that another way, in the, the faith versus reason debate, once again, the Jesus Christ potential, the Jesus Christ perspective is to say, well, it's both. Use your head and your heart. But is it really simpler, Mr. Occam's razor, to believe in this idea of an infinity of stuff that never ends and never gives you what you want? Or is it easier just to believe that maybe we're just supposed to love each other? Which is simpler? There's a piece of you that already knows. Some of you know that... Uh, I have a day job, and the day job is computer stuff. I do web things, whatever, and it's, it's one of those kind of things. It makes everything work, and I'm grateful for it. But my day job, because it's a computer thing, sometimes takes me out to California. And me and Jenny and the kids, when the kids were very small, were out in Silicon Valley. And we decided that it would be fun to drive to the sequoias. The biggest trees in the world. It's an amazing thing. If you ever get a chance to go out there, don't do it today. It's a long trip. But if you ever get a chance to go out there, you got to see it. And Jenny had been going there since she was a kid. So she knew all about it. She'd been there and she wanted to share it with us. And so I worked all day that day and then we got in the car and we drove. And from Silicon Valley to the Sequoias is a long trip. You go down one set of mountains and you go across this valley that takes forever and you go up another set of mountains. It takes forever and it's a long drive. And I was tired because I had worked all day and we had little kids in the car and that's fun for a couple minutes. But you get tired of listening to the same Barney tape and everything else happens. But it was okay. Because, you see, this was before GPS and phones could tell you where to go, but I had printed up instructions from Google Maps, and so I knew everything that I needed to know. I had the data. Now, I got going, and my beautiful wife looked at what I had printed out, and I was proud of what I had printed out. And she said, you know, I've been here a million times, and this doesn't seem right. Little lady. <laughs> it's cute. It's cute. I got this. Man, rental car. Google Maps, got this. And we drove forever. How many times, Jenny, do you think in our lives you've just sort of smiled that Mona Lisa smile and said, you know what, Woo, this is going to be fun. What's going to happen next? Because I've got an idea and he thinks he's got one. Anyway. <laughs> we drive and drive and drive and Jenny says, you know, this seems like you're going a weird way. And we get to the ranger station because we were going to spend the night in a lodge in a national park. Amazing. I was really looking forward to it, even though I'm already exhausted. And we drive and we get to the, the entrance of the park. And the ranger, because it's taken longer than we thought, longer than Google Maps said it would, uh, the ranger's getting ready to leave. Oh, oh, but we're getting ready to close this because, you know, you kind of came in the back way. This is a weird way to go. And I think, oh, <laughs> Google Maps, what do you know, ranger? What do you, what do you, come on. And he says, oh, it's about 20 miles. I'm like, oh, see, 20 miles, no big deal. It's going to take you an hour and a half because of the roads. And he's like, I'm not sure if your rural rental car can do it. Oh, come on. What do you know? You just work here. And so we drove, and we drove, and we drove, and I swear it seemed like the car was upside down. And then you look, and there's forever down there. I think you would just, I'd still be falling now if I, if I had come up. And it just took, it took forever, and we finally got there exhausted to the lodge, and we couldn't see anything, because it was dark. <laughs> and, uh, Woke up the next day and saw the most amazing things, those beautiful trees. And it just blew my mind. So much so that I had an amazing spiritual experience. I said, Jen, you know, I've been thinking about our lives and 
why don't you tell me how to get home? <laughs> she said, no problem. You know where you went right? We're going to go left. And I swear, it was almost a straight line, just this beautiful, slow descent down into the valley. It was perfect. I could have put the car in neutral and closed my eyes. Here's the point. You can do all kinds of crazy backflips. You can take all kinds of classes. You can purchase all kinds of technology, spiritual material or otherwise. You can trust all kinds of other sources. But sometimes you listen to the ranger. Sometimes you listen to your love. Sometimes you listen to someone who's been there. It's one of the reasons that we go to church. Yes, of course, you have access to the divine all by yourself. But when you work on something together, something amazing happens. Ask somebody who's been there. And here's the thing that I want you to know. You have been there. People come praying for life and they're looking for healing. Well, you know what? You're alive right now. So far, so good. Start there. People come looking for love. You know what love is because you're hungry for it. Start there. You have been to the mountaintop. It doesn't always feel like it, but it's the truth. Start with that piece of you who has been there, that piece of you that is yearning for truth and love, that piece of you who knows that right now you don't have all the information, but you're never going to. What do you know? That love that calls you. You know what it is to be on the mountaintop. Even in those moments of being afraid, when you feel something that is beyond what's going on outside of you and brings you in, what I want you to know is that in moments when you get out of the way, in moments of love, even moments of fear, in moments of triumph, even moments of challenge, in moments where you are here, every moment is a faith moment. Decide to believe in something that works. And together, everything gets easier. Together, everything gets figured out. Together, we get set free. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you very much. This is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for listening to that Sunday lesson, and I want to thank you for being part of our virtual church family. If you'd like to know more about what we're doing at Water and Stone Church, the easiest thing to do is go to our website, waterandstonechurch.com. There's all kinds of amazing content. There's blog posts and videos and other episodes of this podcast and just all kinds of great things. And especially there's a calendar of events. We're always doing amazing uh, service projects in the community, all kinds of classes and services. Go to our website and find out how you can be a part of it. You can also text I am ready to 84576. That's all one word, I A M R E A D Y to 84576. It's a great way to get a once a week message about what we're up to. That's how we do our newsletter and special events and stuff like that. It's a great way to be in the loop. This podcast and everything that we do at Water and Stone is supported by you. And what that means is there's a lot of little things you can do to help us keep the lights on around here. If you go to the website, once again, waterandstonechurch.com, you can find out how to give electronically. You can find out how to shop at Amazon in such a way that benefits the church at no extra cost to you. Really and truly, though, the best way to support what we're doing is to help spread the word. Repost this. 
tweet it, like it on Facebook, find our social media accounts on Instagram and Twitter. We've got two amazing YouTube channels. Go find those and like and subscribe and share. That's huge for us. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, iTunes or whatever, please give us a five-star review. That really helps as well. But at the end of the day, there's nothing like being there with us in person. Come join us at 11 a.m. every Sunday at the beautiful Harbor Hall. That's part of the University of South Florida's St. Pete campus. The street address is 1000 Third Street South in St. Petersburg, Florida. Every Sunday at 11 a.m., there is a sense of family, a feeling of community, an uplifting lesson, music like you've never heard anywhere, and a life-changing message. It's time for a new life for you and a new world for all of us.